The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. My name is Stephanie Hansen. Thank you for being with us today. We are on episode 31, and you can find all of our past episodes at Podcast One. You can find them on iTunes or anywhere where you find your favorite podcasts. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Those of you that listen every week, we really appreciate it. You can find us also on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter at Makers of Minnesota. And if you have any ideas for guests that you think we should speak with or fancy new products that you're excited about that you know are made in Minnesota, feel free to send the information my way. You can reach me at shansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, at hbi.com, and of course at Facebook, at Twitter, and at Instagram. And I have a guest today that is kind of nervous to be here. She's probably one of the guests that's the most nervous that I've ever had. So her name is Cindy. And she is the co-founder of Wood from the Hood, Cindy Seawert. And I've been trying to tell her that it's not going to be that scary. Haven't I been telling you that, Cindy? Yes, you have. Yes, it's not that scary. It's kind of, um, when you ask people to talk about their business, they're usually like, oh, yeah, I'd love to talk about my business. Um, How did you, I I first ran into Wood from the Hood, I think a couple places. One was I saw these beautiful um, cutting boards that I really liked that you had at Certix. And you guys have a really unique logo that kind of stands out on all the products. And then I was looking for a gift for my dad. And I ran across a cribbage board, I think, that you guys had made. And I started hearing your story. So Wood from the Hood started because did someone's tree fall down in someone's yard? Tell me how you got started in the very beginning. Um, well, we actually had a tree growing into the foundation of our house. I hate when that happens. <laughs> and it was actually an ash tree. And we were um, needing to take it down because it was ruining the foundation. And we just didn't know what to do with it. And that's kind of where we started thinking about what happens to all these trees that are coming down in the city. And and when this, when this happened, like how old were you or were you doing other things? Oh, it was just um, in 2007. Okay. So uh, were you doing a different job at that time? You No, I was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And we were remodeling our home. All right. So 2007, the tree needs to come down. And tell me about how that thought process worked. Where you, I mean, I could cut a million trees down and never think to make anything useful. Um, well, my husband owns a cabinet shop, a commercial store fixtures. Yeah. And he, um, it's called Seawork Cabinet. Okay. And he uh, builds stuff out of wood all the time. So we were thinking, well, why don't we use this tree in our new kitchen that we were remodeling? I was just going to say, do you have a very cool, like, custom-built wood house? Yeah, we have a nice kitchen. Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> really nice. Yeah. I'm jealous. And um, But we then we thought, well, let's use it as the flooring or something. And it didn't quite yield enough wood for the project. And because it's a tree that's grown for pleasure, people aren't trimming them. So the interior of the log looks quite different than a tree that's grown for commercial use. Interesting. Okay. So there's a lot more care, what we call character and what we like, knots and 
um, the grain is a little different, and then you get some sapwood right along the edge like you probably saw on your dad's cribbage board. And we just think that's really beautiful. But to, for our project, we couldn't cut it for our project because it didn't make enough um, flooring for the kitchen that we were yep. doing. So um, we just cut it down and had it milled and dried and kind of my brother needed it for something he was doing and he used it. So so you just are like, okay, hey, cool. So how did that then go to the next tree and the next tree and the next tree? Well, then a few um, time went by and we started thinking about it more and more and um, just kind of in the back of your mind how you do that. Yeah. And um, my husband loves to think of things. And we I was going to say of... entrepreneurs. That's really a hallmark of that they're yeah. constantly thinking of stuff. You don't even know they're thinking about stuff. Yep. And we just kind of molded around and there was um, a gentleman at our work, John Buck, who works for me now. And he enjoyed the concept too and molded around in his head. And then we started talking about it um, with like, I believe it was Dovetail Partners or somebody and just kind of thinking more and more and kind of researching the idea of where do these trees come from and how do you reclaim them and what, what happens to them. We found out a lot of information. But in the end, what happened was a big project came along where like 30 trees were coming down and somebody had heard we had been thinking about doing something. And they said, well, are you want to do it? Now's the time. And they were putting up a new building. It was um, at a park building. And yeah. um, we took them down and we figured it out from there. It was just kind of like jump in the car and <laughs> drive. So do you literally go in and cut them down? We do not cut them down. Um, so we worked with the tree service that was taking them down. Yep. And we hired, back then we had hired someone to go in and um, bring them into us on a trailer. And then we had to find a place to haul them to and have them milled. And then um, from there we had to find somebody to dry the lumber. And then from there we um, planed it down and worked in my husband's shop. Wow. Because he has a lot of that equipment. Yep. And then we were able to produce a usable lumber for the interior project. It's so, when I was on your website, you know, you do only, you says on the website, only trees from like the urban areas. Is that correct? Yes. So is there any shortage of that? Like, will you no. ever go out of business because there's not enough trees? Now, right now, actually, we've got a huge list from the Minneapolis Park Board because we work with them on reclaiming some of the park board trees. Yep. And um, we tag them and um, hopefully a percent of them will turn end up back in our lot and We'll reclaim those, and we can't keep ahead of the cutters. So, <laughs> and and so, like just using the park board example, uh, what is it, Dutch elm and those kind of emerald ash board. So, Dutch are, elm, are yep. those the trees that you end up with but from the park mostly? Yes. Yeah, and do they make good trees to make things with? Yes, each wood has a level of um, hardwoodness in it, and um, as long as it meets our minimum of hardness then we take the we take the log and we have a um, certain diameter that we need and a certain height that we need yeah um, we try to take as much as we can we've not had to say stop yet right that makes me feel so much better because when I see you know I'm in a park and I see all these trees tagged it just you feel kind of bad about it yeah like you don't hate to see trees go down when we first started our business we mostly started with homeowners though Um, that's where we get a lot of our character different type trees 
So homeowners are taking them down and they're ending up in a landfill. And the homeowner gets attached to that tree. Yeah. And they want to turn it into something. So that's been another, you know, thing of our business is that people want to bring it and put it back home. And we were doing everything within 100 miles. So we had one lady that had a gorgeous black walnut and it had been in her backyard and all her kids' pictures were taken around it and everything. And she wanted to reclaim it. And she had heard about us, and we thought, we so we cut that up for her, dried it, and she actually had remodeled the cabin and put all of it in as either flooring or furniture or oh, that's so um, nice, island top and things yeah. like that. So I love that. So wood from the hood. Who thought of the name? Well, I'd have to say John Buck and Rick Stewart did. Yep, <laughs> I was a little like that's kind of gangsterish sounding. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if that's a good idea. Right. A um, bunch of people running around with hoodies on or something, yep. but, um, you know, it's kind of stuck. It was wood from your neighborhood, and um, and it, we work in the hood, and we live in the hood, and, you know, so the idea is that it's trees coming from around your own neighborhood, within your own region. I mean, we could franchise, hopefully, someday. Yeah. And have wood from the hood, California, or wood from the hood, you know, Seattle, or before doing this, would you describe yourself, I mean, were you interested in sustainability in terms of your own personal life? Yes, actually, I w- that was I, kind of my driving force is I had taken an oath to not use any plastic bags for a year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the kids, were, that about and the kids were uh taking their stuff off their lunches to school every day because they won't eat, we don't eat school lunch, yep. so they wanted to eat home lunch and it was quite the challenge back then to try to find, um, you know, bags and wraps for, you know, ideas for how to send your lunch without a plastic bag. Sure. So, and why did you do that? Just because you, I mean, plastic bags are flowing everywhere and causing havoc in the oceans and blowing waste. all over. Yeah. Just trying to, my little portion of being a zero waste. Does it, um, I often wonder about that because I, I get guilty, you know, like, oh, I, if I'm using, um, like, too much plastic or I, a girlfriend of mine that I share an office with just bought me this whole set of Pyrex dishes because she was like, I can't believe you're hitting your food in this plastic. That's not good for you. Um, and I, so I'm trying to do things, but I'm not very good at it. When you saw these trees and you thought about reclaiming them, did it scratch that sort of sustainable itch for you? Yes, it did. Because we found out that a lot of the trees get, um, in our research, in tr- trying to come up with the idea and asking ourselves what actually happens to these trees, and they actually do end up in a lot of landfills or mulched and turn into um, yard waste or something. And yep. we thought as a as a product, whether furniture, flooring, or carpentry type thing, it's a more of a um, carbon holder type yeah. thing, you know, less yep. waste. Yep. And there's plenty of trees around for all the burning and the energy and everything that the city does. So so currently you can call you to have a tree taken down your yard and make something out of it. Mm-hmm. You can buy things that are already made from other trees around our neighborhood. Like what kind of things are you selling? We've talked about the cribbage board. Well, back when we were first starting, we were trying to... Um, mill and cut the logs and just sell lumber. But then um, we were working with the Seward Co-op. We had made them a um, conference table. Yep. 
because we thought, ooh, wouldn't that be great for a co-op? They're very, you know, environmentally yep. conscious. And um, we talked to them, and we made them this nice table, and in exchange for some advertisement, you know, so we did the labor and all that for an exchange. And um, and while we were walking around the store, they're like, we were looking at the cutting boards and figuring out where they came from, and they were like, well, can you make cutting boards? And we're like, sure, we can make cutting boards. Yeah. So, we started making cutting boards, and then it just kind of grew from there, and people wanted different things. So we started coming up with other ideas of how we could use the smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. So we came up with the smaller pieces. We've come up with cribbage boards and um, growth charts for your children. That's measure. a really popular thing. Yeah, they sell really well. Yeah. And then we have a top popper, which is uh, our name for a bottle opener. Yep. And it has a rare earth magnet in it, so it holds... Um, Onto the cap. That's kind of fun. Yep. Goes well with the cribbage board, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, We have charcuterie boards is something new that we recently came up with. They're really beautiful. Thank you. And then we have um, tablet holders, which uh, hold your iPad or your Mm -hmm. iPhone for whenever you're um, viewing Netflix or something like that or... So, yeah, to hold it or... so it's kind of in a triangle sort of position yeah. so you can see it better. Do people have you use um, your wood for, like, butcher block counters and that sort of thing, or is that a specific type of wood and not? Well, that's the other part of my business is the custom woodworking. So uh-huh. we um, we can make butcher block top. Um, to be honest, it's probably better for somebody to buy one because it's it's expensive yeah. process. Um, and then with the upscale of the... Uh, reclaimed lumber that gets to be kind of expensive right and we don't always have the hardest wood for that type project it requires certain hardwood like a sugar maple sure and sugar maples aren't coming down like crazy around here there's not a disease for them so we have a rare amount of them that's interesting so your products are what you make is kind of driven by the quality and the type of wood that's falling down or getting susceptible to disease yeah that makes did you know about trees before? You seem like you're pretty knowledgeable, or is that something you've learned? Something I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you go from being uh, your stay-at-home mom, your husband's got a cabinet business. Was it, I mean, did you have a lot of expenditure in terms of to get your business off the ground? Did you have to spend a lot of money, or because you had the wood, was it something that you evolved into? Um, I mean, we've had to... We had a bit of expenditures and startup costs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's expensive to start a business. But um, we worked with a lot of partnerships, too. Like Brat Tree Service was a lo- is a local tree service that we started working with, mm-hmm. and they, they found it um, a great green thing to offer to their clients because they'd be taking down their trees, and they're sad about them, and they'd say, well, you know what? You can donate it to Wood from the Hood. That's smart. And they could... Um, you know, cut it and dry it, and if you if you want it back, you can. We can cut it and dry it at a cost, of right. course. But if you want to just donate it because to save it from the landfill is kind of um, then your as a consumer's individual contribution to the yep to repurpose and do something with it. Yeah, to help the environment out. When you so your husband has his cabinet business, so this is always interesting to me to talk to a couples that have businesses. B, he's already got. He's already working for himself. He's already an entrepreneur. Now you're starting this other venture. Were you scared to have like two just entrepreneur type businesses in your family? 
Um, not really. I mean, it, it's kind of like Wood from the Hood is the sales force of, uh, and supp- we provide work to Z-Work Cabinets. Yep. So I think it's been a really great partnership. Um, the guys have done, the guys at Z-Work Cabinet have done a lot of um, work building um, commercial projects. Yep. So these are different for them, and it's kind of fun, I think, at, at times. I think they get a little challenged by it, too, because Urban Wood does um, do work. It's different to work with. Yeah. Yep. I'm not a woodworker, so I don't. I only know what they tell me, but um, it's definitely it can be challenging at times to work with. But the end process is beautiful, and I think that a lot of them enjoy seeing that seeing that end process and that variety that's available. Is wood people that work with wood? This sounds like a really dumb question, but it seems like an art. You know, like these are artists and craftsmen in a way that is different than if you're just producing, I don't know, like a widget or something. Would you say that's true? Yeah, because um, like just this morning, I we're trying to come up with a new serving serving center board okay. for um, something that just an idea. People want just beautiful pieces of wood. Yeah. And we're like, well, it could be a centerpiece, you know, and what size do you pick and how do you pick it? And they're running cribbage boards right now. And we were like, well, now is our key time because it's that same log, that same cut, and you're working with it. And if you, you know, if you're trying to worry about your margins and make some um, profits on something, you want to use that wood wisely, and sure. you have to use it at the time that you're making that decision. So here's a guy, a woodworker, standing there, and he's trying to decide: Do I turn this into a cribbage board? Do I turn this into um, a serving board, or yep. do I save it for a different project? So there's a lot of choices to make when you're working with urban wood. Um, how much of your day is spent dealing with like getting wood versus what to do with the wood? I don't think that I can break it down by days. I think it's somewhat seasonal and somewhat, um, I think every day for us is a little different. Yeah. Actually. So sometimes like, is this storm season a big time for you? Are you usually busy then because trees are coming down and it it can be like right now because the spring is so early or it's warm right now. Yeah. So um, as we record this, it's sixty one February twenty second. Yes, it's very nice. So they're actually out cutting right now. Now this time last year we weren't. The city wasn't out cutting. Yep. Tree services weren't out cutting, so they're actually out cutting, and we need to be busy doing that. So we have to adjust our schedules accordingly. That's interesting. Or um, like when the black walnut trees start. To dropping all their big nuts. Yes. Then the phones kind of go crazy with, I've got this black walnut tree. I've got to get rid of it. Would you like it? (laughs) It's kind of a weird tree. My mother-in-law had one in her yard, and I'm not sure why people planted those in the first place as yard trees because they do produce a lot of waste, but they're pretty, and they do attract a lot of um, squirrels. And Yeah, yeah, it's they're kind of a love-hate. On the inside, they're beautiful. It's actually a wood that I can't get enough of. So, Oh, that's interesting. Um, so if anybody very... listening has any black walnuts, now you yeah. know what to do with it. Yeah, give us a call. Um, <laughs> why, this is a random question too, but cutting boards seem to always be like a certain size. Like they're usually, I don't know, like 18 inches across and then 11 inches deep, like sort of this compact thing. Why don't people make big cutting boards? Do you know? Um. Well, maybe for a couple of reasons, whether they twist or turn. 
Okay, so but there's torque. We can yep. actually make a big cutting board. We actually made one for Andrew Zimmerman. Oh, you did? Yeah, a gigantic one. Oh, that's funny. See, and, I'm a cook, so that's I'm like, I want a big cutting board. Yep, and we've had calls for them, so... Um, it's just a, like I say, it's that butcher block style then that yep. you want to go into because then it's going to be solid. It's not going to be twisting. I mean, if you took a natural edge piece and just cut it up over time, it's going to dry yeah. and, and turn and depending on your home environment and things like that. So, Oh, I love that idea. Um, in terms of uh, running your business, is it hard to market it or how, how do you do marketing? Do you spend much time on it or is it mostly word of mouth? Um, for the primary part, it's been word of mouth, actually. What happened with us is that these products that we put into the, um, you know, into the sewer co-op and now now we're in like 47 stores, they're not necessarily, at first they were kind of like lost leads because we weren't, we were working at night, making them at night, just trying to get them produced and get them out there because we couldn't really afford to hire the cabinet shop to do them. Um, now they're doing okay, but the thing is is that people like them, and what it does is it gets our story out there. So, so it is marketing to sell a cribbage board or something of that yep. nature. Because on each product we put our um, logo, and then we put a little bit of our story. Uh-huh. We try to keep the packaging to a very minimal, but um, we try to put a little bit of our story in there. If you're in 48 retailers, did you have to call and ask people if they would carry your products? Yeah. Okay, that had to be hard for you. You're kind of I more actually, of an introvert. I actually enjoy that part. Really? Oh, so, yeah. When it's one-on-one and I don't have 100 people listening to me. Okay. <laughs> but, All uh, right. So you called up like Certix and said, hey, we have this product. Yep. Would it be a good fit for you? Yep. I, I got my suitcase out and filled it with product and walked around looking for stores that would be interested in carrying it and to be honest the stories really sells itself yeah and people are are, I think we are all environmentalists and at some level and it just makes sense and there's a lot of people that love trees and and wood is beautiful so it's really actually an easier sell and uh and they just want to get the line in there and then people see them and they just flies out of the shelves. Yeah, it's wood from the hood and it is pretty beautiful. Can you think of um it just in the so you've been doing this since 2007. Well, 2008 officially. We just thought of it in 2007. Okay. So. Can you think of a time where you made a mistake? Like just you were like, "Oh, that was a bad idea. Shouldn't have done that." Um Well, maybe when we first started with the products I really didn't know how the whole retail end worked. Yeah. And didn't, you know, know how to build in my margins for that type of thing and yep. everything. So So did you sell them too cheaply at first and then Yeah. Yeah. That's why I call them lost leads, but because I was, you know, all the stores have been really generous with us and talking about us. So That's a really common um thing to do. I don't know if you know that, but entrepreneurs that make things generally tend to start out and they're priced too cheaply. Mm-hmm. And people get so excited that they've sold some, you know, and then it becomes just hard to raise the price and hard to really amortize the price when you think about all the different piece times that you're touching it. And yep. Yep. And we want we want to keep it within reason for so that the consumer can afford it. So, but as a wood, it's a more expensive grain wood than what you buy at you know Menards. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. So who so are the, you competing with? Really? Well, the difference between like 
how I explain the difference between the cost is when you um, harvest wood for commercial grade, they're grown for commercial yep. grade. So lo- in all a tree the logs, farm or... yeah, and all the logs come, they're all the same diameter pretty much. They're all the same length. And they can be loaded down onto a saw and they can be, you know, processed yep. 20, 30 at a time. Where we are processing our logs one at a time and actually one cut at a time because we can find a lot of metal in our trees and that there will be a really expensive saw blade for us. So, metal. So, like, how does metal get in trees? Um, people hanging up, uh, you know, for sale signs. A lot of, uh, you know, nails Yep. hanging up. A um, lot of nails. <laughs> and uh, we've found a staircase in one before. We've found... Um, like a circular type stair, or someone had obviously walked up the tree at some point, and we found arrows, arrowheads. And, Weird. Yeah. And the tree just sort of keeps going around it and adopts it. And Oh, yeah, the tree will grow right around it. You won't even know it's in there. But when you cut the end, you can look at the end, and you can see kind of a blue hue, and then you know that there's probably something in there. And there's the other thing is we get all these trees to our yard, and we don't know if it's something we can use or if something we're going to have to pay to have it hauled away. Yeah, now. so there's some <laughs> shrinkage, I guess, is yeah. what they call that in retail, right? Yeah. Um, when you look at your career here, did I mean, you obviously didn't know that you were going to be reclaiming and repurposing trees. Uh, is it enjoyable? Yeah, it's fun. Do you think about, like, what's the next growth opportunity for you? Um, you mentioned franchising. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. A lot of work, um, though. We're having a hard time just keeping up right now, honestly. Yeah. Um, the the one side we haven't talked about is our commercial side. Mm-hmm. So because my husband's a commercial cabinet, cabinet maker, maker, his guys are can produce quite a bit at a time. So like right now we're working on caribou coffee tables. Okay. So we're doing the large, huge community yeah. table with a bench and, um, and then an engraving. So I think our work expands that way sure you know, there's always something new and creative that we can make for you know the surly brewery or i'm just going to ask you when i say or... north or the north does that conjure any ideas in your mind or do you think about because there's this whole movement of you know the north and celebrating the north and products from the north and working amongst our own vendors in the north mm-hmm. yeah I, I love that idea yeah it's no. been real popular yeah, um, because everything we do now is within less than 75 miles of where we are. So that's you even made your footprint smaller in mm-hmm. terms of, that's yeah. neat. I mean, we we try to buy our even our mineral beef with, that we make for our cutting boards. We buy the um, beeswax within a local beef farmer. So. Gosh, you've had to learn so many different things. Yeah. Plus fun. just running a business. When you... Um, Let's say, so you have all this inventory that you're making and then you go and sell it. Do you have the retailers, do they have to pay for the inventory up front or do you? Yeah, they buy it. They pay for it up front. And And then do they, like in groceries, sometimes they let you bring it back if it doesn't sell. Do you have a situation like that? I don't have situations like that right now. Is that, I mean, in, in terms of retail, that's not common, is it, that people bring things back? You know, I don't know about any what's common in retail i just know what's common with me yeah basically the gift shops are purchasing it and um and then whatever they buy that's what 
they're selling. Yep. And then they tend to sell pretty well because they're always reordering. So for like Christmas, is that a big time for you or in Father's yeah. Day and seasonally, I would assume? Yeah. Um, is there any part of the business that you can't stand? Like I used to hate doing taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was told that I could get out of the accounting end of it after one year, but I'm still doing the accounting. End, yeah, that so. was not my forte. I I was just terrible at any of the number stuff. Yeah, I was told to, you know, stick with it for a year so you understand it. But now I have um, someone that comes in twice a week. So. Yep. And helps enter the journal entries and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it is good to have a couple pairs of eyes on something like that because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, what was the hardest thing you had to learn? Probably how to identify the the, the lumber. I can imagine. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm still challenged by it because American elm is really tricky, especially that one knocks me up all the time. But, um, you know, the hackberries and the honey locusts and the walnuts I can identify pretty well. The ash I can kind of identify, it's, but, you know, with when you're looking at an urban piece of wood, it's hard to, one section might look really different than another section, yep. and then you're looking at it and you got to look really close. And, and if you said it was, if you got it wrong, what would happen? Is it just, are you, is it important to know for when you're selling so, it or when you're going to take on a project? For what I'm doing, because I mostly handle the retail end of the um, projects yep. and the accounting. But John Buck handles the commercial end of it, and he understand he can identify any wood, and Rick can identify any of the woods. So the wood savants. And then when we get a tree, we um, end tag it, and then we tag it by zip codes. That's one thing that we do that a lot of people don't, and that are do, timberists won't aren't doing is yeah. that we tag it by the zip code. So if you want to buy something from your zip code, you can hopefully find it. That's and, cool. Yeah, and that was kind of a love a love hate thing because you get all these cribbage boards that go out, and everybody's wanting to buy one from their neighborhood, and the stores don't have their neighborhood. Yep. But and the idea was that just to show that you're buying something within your local neighborhood. Yep. You might. I mean, there's a lot of zip codes. That's one thing I've learned a lot about is where all the zip codes are throughout Minneapolis. So. I was in direct mail, so I know a lot about those zip codes, too. <laughs> <laughs> People are just like, God, how do you know all these zip codes off the top of your head? And somebody will really want 55411, and it's like, we only have 55410. But, yeah, we get phone calls like, hey, do you have any products for 55410? And we try to help them out. But Oh, that's funny. It's Now we pretty much just send whatever we can and... Um, Hope for the best that people want to buy them within their Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul, you know. Yep. So as we wrap up, is there something that you want people to know about you that you feel like, oh, if people just knew this, they would do more or purchase more or understand us more? Well, one thing that we are, you did ask what we were trying to grow in our business and what we're trying to do is maybe open up our own um, kind of like a showroom for architects and designers so people can come in and buy lumber yep. direct from us and more of a larger scale. And that's kind of where we're hoping to grow our business in the next couple of years. I love that idea. And you would think your husband could put a shop on the back of something like that. Yep. We have a warehouse space and we're just kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do. Yep. We now have a saw. We have our own. Um, we rent a saw. We have our own Sawyer. We yep. have our own kiln. 
we have a warehouse space. So, and we um, do a lot of large projects, uh, like Surly Brewery, for instance. Sure. That's all American Elms from around the city, St. Paul. The tables area. are. Yep. Oh, I love that place. Yeah. Yeah, that's that place has a real voodoo to it, and it is those little things. Not that your project was little, but. It's those little type of details that can really make a difference in a place, I think. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping to expand in that area so mm-hmm. more people know that we have that large capacity available to us and we have lots of lumber. And, and you can make me a large cutting board if I can find what dimensions I actually want. Yeah. Just email us off our site. Yeah, I suppose it has to be big enough that it's big, but small enough that I could still rinse it off, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. All yeah. right, Cindy, thank you for spending time with me today. It's wood from the hood, um, wood from your neighborhood or a near neighborhood, um, reclaimed trees from the urban environment that you guys are turning into very cool products. Um, a couple of other just, there's, do you do any like picture frames or anything like that? Because I've seen a lot of reclaimed we wood actually frames. Are, we actually used to make picture frames. Um, and now we're trying to come up with a night with a design that's more um, going to fall into the consumer's um, price market. So yep. Watch for that. Okay. And then another just thing that I have seen a lot of recently is trays, um, like a, a tray, a carrying tray that people put on. They put them on um, coffee tables. Well, maybe those centerpieces could be used. Yeah. Something like a tray with handles on it would be great. Um or carrying food back and forth from the grill to the table. or Yeah, yeah um, we're always looking for ideas. So. All right, well, now don't be surprised if you're, like, getting your email and you look, and I've sent you, like, what about this? What about that? I just I think your products are really cool. I love your logo, and I think it's something that uh, I want to talk to you about because I just thought, like, who decided that this was a good idea for a company? Yeah, well, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Me. Thanks for being on. Uh, it's Cindy Seward. It is Wood from the Hood. How can people reach you at woodfromthehood.com? Woodfromthehood.com. All right. Thanks for being our guest. Thank you. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines.